follows is a recap of Season 1 of Splinters of Jade. It is told by Jeannie Calvar, a.k.a. Kakita Kaori of the Court Games Network. Check out her L5R RPG podcast of the same name and their actual play Fortune and Strife, where she plays Doji Gen. A few notes. We will be sticking with the fortnightly schedule. We are also going to start using Renaming the Gods by also Jeannie Calvar, available at her website, Winter Garden of the Kikita. A link will be in the show notes. Finally, we will be having guests, starting with Trevor Cuba, also of the Court Games Network on the LCG side, who will be on in a few episodes. And remember, if you can't jade strike it, grasp it with Earth. Magistrates Kunigeru, Kitsuki Akira, and Yogo Sujobo have been sent to the Dragonfly Lands by Asawa Karasu to collect taxes. At the first village, they found mysterious blades hidden in the baskets of rice. Whoever is cut by one of the blades will continue to bleed without the intervention of the kami. Sujobo called upon the water kami to heal an Ashigaru who cut himself on one of the blades. The kami transformed into a kansen and attacked the magistrates. Deeper into the dragonfly lands, they came upon a ghost girl. Her skeleton was found wearing a lapis medallion with a drop of water carved into it. At the village of dry wheat, Garrow encountered a blacksmith named Ningo with something to hide. Ningo set his forge on fire and disappeared into the wind. The fire exposed a number of corpses drained of blood, suspecting a connection to the blades. Garrow attempted to speak with the kami of the blades. As a result, a shockwave rippled through the town, killing many of the inhabitants. Meanwhile, Sojobo summoned the spirits of Ningo's victims, who illuminated a larger conspiracy in the works. Before leaving the village, the magistrates go on a kappa hunt. They suspect the kappa killed the girl with the lapis medallion. Garu bows to the kappa, which tricks them into bowing back. The bowls of water on their heads spilled, and they were subdued. Swearing fealty to Kunigeru, the kappa became a valuable asset to the magistrates. Sujobo freed a captive ronin, Sai, who had been destined for a kappa meal. Sujobo hired him to be his yojimbo. The magistrates made their way to Kudentombo, the seat of power within the dragonfly lands. While there, Garo discovered a cabal of unicorn Mahosukai, who spoke of Yejinden's heir and a failed doorway. Garo, with Akira, Sujobo and a contingent of Ashigaru return to the inn where the unicorn are staying and do battle with the Mahosukai. Following the battle, the magistrates hear shrieking from the castle proper. They discovered a portal to Gakido, a realm of desolation, filth, decay, and peopled by the hungry dead. Once again, they are thrust into battle. They push back the denizens of Gakido and sealed the portal. Before leaving Kudentombo, they entrust the Maho blades and the taxes to Kasuga Ten, a tortoise clan courtier. He is to deliver them to the castle of the Emerald Champion, while the magistrates head north to Shirokatsuki to witness the birth of Akira's second child. Elsewhere in the Empire, a wandering monk, Tagashi Jun, plays a game of 100 candles in a burnt-down temple.
In the morning he found a burnt body and a cinnabar medallion with a stylized flame carved into it. At Shirokitsuki, the magistrates tracked down Ningo with one of his conspirators, an Agasha alchemist who has been making red stones that fit into the hilt of the blades. Upon confronting Ningo and the alchemist, the alchemist summoned a minor oni. The magistrates narrowly escaped with their lives. Ningo is not so lucky. Akira interrogated the alchemist and discovered that there is some sort of ritual that is being orchestrated by Yajindan's heir. Akapa appeared and informed Garo that the Tortoise Clan ship was waylaid by bandits before it could get to the palace of the Emerald Champion. The only way they could catch the thieves would be to travel through Sekaku, the land of yokai. The land was real, disorienting, and disturbing. Despite some tribulations, they were able to make it all the way to the tsunami-swept landscape of the Crane Clan before the bandits. As they made their way to confront the bandits, they came across the Summerlands, a town spoken of in myths and ghost stories. Some say there are great treasures, others that it is a haven of rogues. The magistrates saw the streets filled with ghosts, but soon discovered they were not the only living in this town. A group of heretical monks, led by a large blue monk, are performing ritualistic sacrifice. The magistrates stepped in, slaying some of the monks, but not before their leader was able to escape. They save the child who was to be sacrificed and find a serpentine medallion with a carved plateau on its face. Sai was sent to the nearby Kudenkitsuni with a captive monk and the child, while they searched for hidden treasure that might aid them in their battle against Yajindan's heir. After performing a favor for a ghost, they are led to a building where a reiju, a lightning beast, is imprisoned. Rather than fighting the reiju, they remove the sutras, keeping it captive. As thanks, the reiju showed them a naganada, Nuramani, with the power of lightning. The magistrates also locate Torabu no Hikari, a Nuramani katana able to cut doorways from one location to another. The magistrates went to Kudenkitsuni to meet up with Sai and gather forces to combat the bandits who stole the taxes. Once there, they found out that Sai had been arrested for murder. Sujobo convinced the town magistrate to release Sai into his custody and allow them use of the town Ashigaru. They found the bandits in the ruins of a town and set up an ambush, only to be ambushed themselves by the gang of four bandits, known as Shi. Nearly all of the Ashigaru were killed, along with Garu and Akira being severely wounded. After defeating or capturing the four members of Shi, the magistrates were attacked by the reanimated corpses of the fallen Ashigaru. Once again, they were thrust into battle, only to narrowly survive. They were able to retrieve the taxes and rescue the captive, Kasuga Ten. Back at Kudenkitsune, Sai must face his trial. A shadowy figure has coerced the merchants into giving false testimony against Sai and hid in the courtroom to ensure Sai's conviction. Akira was able to put together a strong defense and identified the conspiracy to frame Shijobo's Yujimbo. Once revealed, the shadowy figure fled from the courtroom with Garu in hot pursuit, but it was able to escape through a portal to Sakaku. Cleared of charges, Sai rejoined the magistrates as they personally escorted the taxes to the palace of the Emerald Champion. Now, they prepare for winter court in Kudenkuni, deep within Crablands. Bloodshots of Jade is a work of fiction and is not affiliated with Edge Entertainment 
Fantasy Flight Games, or Esmond D. International. Music is used with permission from Darren Curtis. More of his music can be found on SoundCloud, Bandcamp, or his website, darrencurtismusic.com. Our logo was designed by Nix and Amelia. More of her art can be found on Etsy. Recording, editing, and sound design is by Brent Thorson. Story is conceived by Chris Garvey. You can follow us on Twitter at at SodgePodgeRPG, Facebook at facebook.com backslash and sajpodrpg.podbean.com You can message us at sajpodrpg at gmail.com Please leave us a rating and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your podcast player of choice. Thank you for listening, and remember, if you can't just strike it, grasp it with Earth.